This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, you know, in the Melvin Law Studio. Melvin Law is the only official law firm, part of the Florida Gators, 50 years of experience, won't back down. And our good friends, uh, Randy Elrad, John Pastore, protect us as a 24-7 with cpss.net crime prevention. Great outfit, locally owned. Uh, certainly you want to use your security system with crime prevention. Our mug shots maintained by Maurice McDaniel with uh, about 45,000 hits a month, which is really rather amazing when you think about it. And um, we are here with our Wednesday show with uh, our representative, Ted Yoho, who was eight years in uh in the Congress in Washington, D.C., a local uh, vet- veterinarian, big big animal veterinarian, well-known in the, to the rural parts of, the, of our community uh, and very valuable asset to our community through the years before he decided to throw his hat in the ring and uh, came from nowhere, and there he was. And then as the only man I know who term-limited himself. But, uh, the, you know, politicians never done being a politician, and a guy I told Ted before we went on, there's also already people asking me, will Ted run in 2028? Uh, that, boy, I'm telling you, nobody rules anything out once one builds up name brand and all that business. So, you know, of course, Ron DeSantis' name comes up and uh, uh, that kind of thing, as rightfully it should. But the big name in the news today, which Ted and I are going to talk about, I'm going to pick his brain about it because he was there at Ground Zero with all these people. And uh, is a Liz Cheney uh, ouster, if you will, which all the pollsters and everyone said was going to be a slam dunk because of the way she's been treating Trump. And she's crossed over the party lines. And, uh, you know, the Democrats never do that, but it seems the Republicans do it and they're getting paid back for it now. And we're going to go through that rather thoroughly, hopefully with Ted's expertise and experience. Uh, but this Liz Cheney is kind of a canary in the mine shaft here. Um, is this the way we're going? Is Trump making even a stronger comeback now that he's been martyred, really, uh, by this outlandish, unprecedented uh, invasion of his personal home uh, by the government, if you will, the government? And um, Biden, of course, as we talked about yesterday, claims to have no knowledge of it, which is disturbing, because if he didn't have any knowledge of it, what does that say about the free for all with the undisciplined institutions that are not elected? Or if he didn't know about it, is he not leveling with us? That raises another issue. And if he really didn't know, shouldn't he have known? So this is not even remotely over. In fact, it's just getting ready. And if there are any ashes in the fireplace, they have uh, all of a sudden taken light and are burning and probably will burn more brightly, even though I think Ted would agree with me here. This seems the strategy of the Democrats is to just keep smearing Trump so that nobody nobody who follows Trump can possibly get elected in Congress. And yet it appears exactly the opposite is happening. What do you say about that, Ted, after I made my observations here? Do you uh, see something like that? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the best, then they're great at this. They're very astute at deflecting look over here, look over here. And so everybody's looking over here. Meanwhile, they're doing this and they're carrying on this agenda. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where Liz Cheney pops up in two to four years from now. You know, I know the, the elite, the elite in politics, um, the rhinos in the Republican Party and the Democrats, whoever is moving that machine and, and is the puppeteer, they're talking about raising her up as a presidential candidate, and it would be a mistake. But yet, if she were to get into that position, it would be a continuation of the Cheney, Bush, you know, um, uh, mess that got us into so many different wars 
um, that we lost so much, not just in lives, I mean, which is the most valuable, but the military equipment and the, the burden on the American taxpayers. And, and not just that, but the bad policy and the hatred it stirs up against the American people. Well, it's um, incredible to think that um, she just never really did, uh, listened to anybody warning. She really thinks she is committed to, quote unquote, the truth. Yeah, right. With the people in the street just sounds incredibly naive, because if anybody has been good at not presenting the truth, all the way back to the dossier on the Russian hoax and all that, and it's been the Democrats. And how can somebody, supposedly with her experience, and I, I don't, it can only be vindictive, that's all it can be, guided by really? her father, I suspect. Um, well, you, you brought up that they're committed to the truth. But look at the panel. There's two Republicans, both Trump haters. Kevin McCarthy wanted to get Jim Jordan, some of these other ones, more moderate ones, uh, the ones that would fight back. And this is a hearing, and in the hearing, you're supposed to have different points of view. This is all one-sided. Hate Trump, get him out, get him in prison, don't ever let him run again. And so this is not the truth. This is a, 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 a snow job. And I'm reading from, as I said, just, well, uh, Ted and I talked about this before he came on the air. I deliberately went over to the New York Times to get their spin on this because they're left, uh, or left of left. I mean, they always give a, a um, an interpretation that somehow misses the point. And sitting in the chair I sit in, generally I know what the point is. And I'm always shocked when I see how the media perverts the truth. Uh, tr- yeah. It really does. Um, but... Uh, she is supposedly, according to the New York Times, by Shane Gomacher, went off the press today at 5 a.m. She has pledged, uh, Ted, to do whatever it takes to prevent a second Trump presidency. And then she says, freedom must not, cannot, and will not die here. And she supposedly declared this in her concession speech in Jackson, Wyoming. And, and I, every time I hear it, I think of this. Times I've skied out there, and I'm thinking, don't, yeah. don't, don't. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so she has had hoped, as you know, uh, Ted, that the January 6th riot interrogation would be the turning point for the Republicans. And yet the polls show that nobody's paying any attention to the Inquisition, if you will. In- Inquisition, that, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's the Salem witch hunts. And it started when Trump and Melania came down the escalators. That witch hunt started, and they've done everything they can to destroy this man. And he comes back fighting harder and harder. And he has not changed directions of what he wants to do. And I think that in itself uh, earns a lot of accolades, more than what he already had, uh, of his stamina, his perseverance. And, um, you know, people like Cheney, and I like Liz, when she came in, but you saw her, you know, looking at the bigger picture, and it was the power brokers in Washington, and she moved up real quickly in that. And uh, I saw her concession speech, and uh, she's uh, the second coming of Abraham Lincoln, I think. Yeah, it? yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't believe that's going to work. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that's uh, uh, as uh, also. Uh, the New York Times has embedded in this article are uh, links to some of the fellows that you obviously rubbed elbows with there um, who have suffered the consequences of uh, going after Trump on the impeachment fiasco, which was tried twice. You know, I can't think think of anybody I would uh, trust less than uh, Adam and Adam Jerry Nadler, I couldn't. I wouldn't oh. buy. I wouldn't buy used a, a washing machine from those guys. <laughs> but listen, here's a list. And if you want to talk about each one, you probably knew them. How about this representative from Washington Third District, Butler Butler? Um, yeah, Jamie Herrera Butler. Yeah, what's she the story? Was a, she was just a, a, a rhino. She followed leadership, never balked leadership, and very, very. Uh, very, very moderate. And, you know, you know, she she was a perfect description of what a rhino is. And uh, she would never be contentious. You know, of course, when I stood up and said some of my contentious things, they all thought I was crazy. 
but yet I was feeling we had to change direction of the, sh- of the ship. And she was one that, well, no, we can't do that. It's too, uh, too controversial. And so they run from controversy. So it's good. She's gone. I'm glad to see her gone. Representative Peter Major, how you say M-E-I-J-E-R? Mayor. They're Mayor. from a big um, uh, uh, um, department store, uh, grocery stores up in Michigan area, very wealthy family. He got in there for one term, and he went against his base, and his base threw him out. And I'm glad because you get rid of those people right now so they don't get embedded like a tick on a dog and stick there forever. Um, you get them out now, and he needed to go. And we've got somebody to whom you said before we were in the air, you knew pretty well, and that was Tom Rice. You know, Tom, uh, Carolyn and I became very good friends with he and his wife. And Tom voted with President Trump and defended him 97 to 98% of the time. But on this, he crossed the line. And I called him right after his vote. And we talked. And um, at the end of the conversation, I says, Tom, I hear what you say. I still disagree with you, but I love you, man. I mean, he's a he's a great person. He's somebody that you'd want to have as a friend. But I just don't know why he got so upside down on this because uh, we got talking and he said, damn it, Ted, you weren't here. And I says, you're right, I wasn't. But if I was, I would have voted for the president, not against him. And um, Is there something in his family or something that didn't get wired properly? Or what the heck? I don't know. I mean, we were up there, uh, him and his wife uh, in their South Carolina place, and his aunt was there. And she was giving him a talking to. She goes, you did wrong on this one. (laughs) And um, his, his, his constituents let him know. I think he lost by over 25 points, which it's hard when you have a friend that loses that bad. But yet, I understand why he did. And, you know, I mean, we're friends, but I'm glad to see he got the, the, the hand that got dealt to him. He got the boot. Well, here's the thing. The, the uh, thumbnail sketch of him by the Times says it was the tipping point was the Capitol riot. Yeah, it was the Capitol riot. That was it. Yeah, he blamed that on Trump. He said Trump could have intervened and called that off. Um, but he waited for four hours. And I'm like, you know, you got to put yourself in, in Trump's position. For four years, they've been going after him. They've impeached him twice. They're telling these lies. They're going after his family. I mean, the disdain in the media, the disdain in Congress, and these witch hunts that they they had done over and over and over again. And um, I can't say as I blame Trump. I mean, I don't blame him. Heck, I was up there on January 6th. He said some things I thought were inflammatory, but I'm like, if I was if I was in his shoes, I may have said worse. <laughs> um, and again, there that election, in my opinion, was blanked. <laughs> um, so I don't want you to get uh, sense. Oh, you want the beat? Yeah, use a beat. Was beat? beep? <laughs> yeah, was beat. It well, was totally, totally beep. <laughs> yeah, totally beep. Well, let me ask you this about them. Is it, we've been asked this question, maybe you can give me a better answer. Supposedly, Trump made a request of Congress for National Guard. He did. He doesn't run D.C. The mayor runs it, right? And Mayor Pelosi. And Pelosi. And they never produced it. He did it four days before, did he not? Yeah, he did. I mean, that's well documented. And again, there's just so much that we don't know uh, behind the scenes. It was orchestrated. It was another thing to go ahead and hang Trump on. And, um, you know, unfortunately, 10 Republicans, which nine of them, I'm glad they're gone. Tom was the only one that I thought, you know, again, the way he voted, very conservative. He bucked leadership and uh, he wasn't afraid to tell leadership that's wrong. We're not doing that. I'm not going to support that. And uh, but, you know, it. Time goes on, and uh, they'll have another replacement, another strong conservative. And even if they get Trump run out where he can't run, you and I have talked about why is Trump there? The underlying disease in America is not going to go away until we right the course of this ship in the direction it's going. Until we get back to the Constitution and some respect for the institutions and clean those out, the so-called administrative or deep state. And that's what I think they're fiercely protecting because they're all products of it and benefit from it. And Trump is an outsider, saw it, but it took him a long time to figure out what to do about it. And um, the question, this is obviously the, the thorn in their side. They don't have anybody 
in the history of them who's ever really known how to finally attack them and criticize them and try to clean house. But the thing that these people don't want to criticize Trump don't understand, they're not criticizing Trump. They're criticizing, well, I guess the best word was, was uh, by Hillary. They're, they're criticizing the, the deplorables, which yeah, is horrible. 50% of the nation, which is fed up. And so Trump is not the person they want to really, and this is troublesome. I want to talk about this maybe with you for a moment. If they really were to carry through, I'm about to say for they, these Democrats or the administrative state, um, those pretty, if they were to carry through with militarizing the HRS and woking the military and uh, watering down our foreign policy, uh, how can you, we can't fight back. How do we fight back? Uh, somebody said, just don't pay taxes. I don't know whether it was you or something. Just don't pay taxes. But they come and get you. We can come talk about that. But what you brought up, and people need to remember this, don't let short-term memory get into the way of what's really going on here. Don't let the Kardashians or the NFL season, whatever distracts us, kind of like look at the uh, Marlago raid distracting us. Keep in mind what the underlying agenda is. It goes back to Obama fundamentally transforming America. Look at the policies that have been put in place. They wanted socialized medicine. Well, for all practical purposes, they achieved that. Look at what Biden said uh, in the very beginning. You and I have talked about the, the hearing or the meeting I was in where they were talking about the biggest threat to national security is white national supremacy. That was two years before the election when uh, uh, the November 20th election. And, and so these things were set up in place. And then one of Biden's first things he wanted to do was have the IRS or the, the banking system for you, any, any American that does a transaction over $600 to have it scrutinized by the IRS. And of course, there was so much blowback, they didn't do it. But yet with this new uh, um, tax bill where they're putting in 86,000 new IRS and keep in mind, the IRS is, have, has control of over 500 million rounds of ammunition. Um, I never saw in history where the, the, the tax collectors were armed like they are. And uh, history has a way of repeating itself. But the important thing is what people need to understand is this is a progression of things that they are doing. And they build up and they don't go away. They may disguise it. But the underlying intent is there, and they aim to change this country. And you brought up, if it gets to a critical point, what do we do as far as recourse? What can we do? And uh, there's, they're, they're becoming more limited uh, in what we can do to fight back. Yeah, that's very interesting. They've demonized anybody who questions them. And beyond that, they've even criminalized anybody who questions them. And that's a dangerous thing because prosecutorial misconduct is becoming kind of a household term now. And this has been evidenced even, I suppose, by the, the DeSantis removing of Warren in the 19th Circuit down there in Hillsborough. I mean, right. uh, you know, DeSantis is obviously one who knows what the game plan is and is going to fight back with another game plan. And yeah. You know, I always shudder, Ted, to think of how narrowly we missed having Gillum for the governor and how radically, radically different this state would have been. Uh, this state would be California. I mean, they would lock arms with California and New York. And I mean, you can imagine how scary that is. I'm down here in the Keys. We've been down here for going on three weeks. And we see a lot of people from around the country. And the people that are moving here have fled New York, California, Jersey. And they have fled that because of their politics and taxes. And if Gillum would have won, Florida would be on that path to be just like those countries or those countries, those states. And uh, it's it's a it's a it's a scary thing because elections do have consequences, and that's why people need to be engaged. They need to be informed. Listening to your program, where you're informing people, is so critical. But they need to remember if they don't participate. Things are going to change, and we're seeing America change in front of us faster than we ever have in my lifetime and yours. You know, I'm looking at this list of uh, uh, Republicans who didn't make it, and you were talking about coming down. Most of these people, with the exception of your friend from South Carolina, 
or Yankees. <laughs> you still use that term. I apologize. Listen, Fred Upton, Michigan, 6th District. John Katko, New York, 24th District. Um, Adam Kinzinger, Illinois, 16th District. Yeah. And, of course, you know, we had a guy for governor in Ohio who was a huge opponent, outspoken of Trump. You know, we have this Anthony Gonzalez. He called Trump a cancer. And then he got deluged with threats and didn't want to run anymore and got out of the business of being a politician. So yeah, pretty soft for an NFL linebacker or uh, tight end or wide receiver, I think he was. Wide receiver? You're telling me that he didn't he had no oh my God. Anthony so, was a good guy, but he was a rhino. John Catco, one hundred percent rhino. Uh, Kinzinger, he came in in the first wave of the Tea Party. And just arrogant and, uh, again, a very strong rhino. Um, and he, he kept that agenda from going and correcting course from what the, uh, Obama and all those have done for all these years. Adam was one of those ones that would vote against, um, you know, the conservative principles that brought him into office. And so he decided not to run, I think, in April, but it was already after that vote. He knew the writing on the wall, so he got out. He's somebody you're going to look to run for president. Well, there are two still standing, according to the New York Times, and one right. is Dan Newhouse. Newhouse. What's the deal with him? Dan is a nice guy, but he is he is he might as well be a Democrat. Um, he voted for an amnesty bill or uh, ag labor bill. You know, we had our ag labor bill, the guest worker program, awesome bill, and. Um, Dan voted against mine, voted for his with Zoe Lofgren and a bunch of Democrats. The Democrats all supported it. And it would give amnesty to people in about 10 years that are here illegally. Uh, DACA students would all become legal. And it was just the wrong way for the country because you don't fix the underlying problem. Ours fixed the underlying problem, gave people a way to come in legally. They had to be in the E-Verify system. And so, Dan, um, I was, I was kind of hoping he didn't come back, but he survived. One last one is still standing is Representative David Dalladale. Yeah, David came in with me. And David is, again, whatever leadership tells him, and uh, he's pretty much like Dan Newhouse. David's a farmer, too, a dairy farmer. And, you know, he and I got along great, but his politics and mine, uh, he's got California politics. Wow. Yeah. How did that do with the dairy farmer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand that. Um, Great guy, but again, I just think so I liked his other guy that he beat, T.J. Cox, who was a Democrat, who beat David the cycle before the election cycle before, and then David beat him this cycle. And I like T.J. Cox because I think he was more middle of the road for a Democrat, and that's probably why he lost. We're talking with Representative Ted Yoho here, who has um, got a wealth of experience, of course, firsthand experience that we're sharing with you now in hopes that this will stimulate you to be an educated voter, A, and B, that you'll vote. And you'll know what you're doing, and you won't be getting your information necessarily from um, the public media, which uh, really is um, something you should hold suspect. Uh, unfortunately, when I see something in the news, I know right away how hollow it rings because I know what is left out. You see, one of the dangerous things about uh, the news is not what they present, but what they didn't present. And what they emphasize as notable and what they de-emphasize and therefore lies, they think they've created an honest moment, but it's really less than honest because you don't have the total picture. Um, that is really the fight that I think I'm fighting. I think Ted is uh, doing forces and we are trying to keep you informed. You got to trust us. And we have, uh, I mean, really after we talk with you, it's your, it's your job to do your duty as a citizen um, but I can tell you from years of teaching, uh, uh, Ted, and from years of athletic training, I believe in structure. And I believe in uh, fundamentally what holds this country together is the Constitution. Absolutely. And if, if there's any point where you and I can definitely see differences, it is in how one reacts to the Constitution. Or it appears, if you, correct me if I'm wrong, that time after time after time, and the most recent example is the 
uh, Roe versus Wade ruling by the Supreme right. Court. They want to throw out the Constitution or misread the Constitution or read into the Constitution. Um, they're really functionally illiterate in so many ways. This is the dangerous thing. This is where I kind of separate the two groups, if there are, there are more than two, really. But, but that's how I do it, Ted. Where do you stand on the Constitution and the process of amending it? Not through the courts where we get this judicial uh, runaround, you right. know, and we, and we and that's one of the big problems we've had. Um, sure. and, and Trump really did a great job of fixing that. I mean, that really has bugged them so much yeah. so that they'd like to pack the court or elect the court or pick at the court, et cetera. There you go. Well, and I think that's why you're seeing Merrick Garland go after Trump so bad because Trump, you know, denounced him in the beginning. Mitch McConnell kept him from coming up. And yes, where I stand on the Constitution, it's the spring law of the land. And the Democrats, you said they um, um, were maybe ignorant in it, manipulative, ignorant. Um, All the above. <laughs> they use it when they want to drive a point home. Well, it's constitutional. But then they work around it when they want to do Obamacare, when they want to do, you know, free education. You know, it's not the role of the American people to pay education for anybody. It's your responsibility. And there's programs out there. There's grants. There's all kinds of uh, scholarship programs in the private sector that should really be the ones that are doing that. And um, there is a way that you use the Constitution and there's a way you can change it. And it's through the amendment process. And our founders set this up. And I'm still amazed. I mean, if you go back and you know, we talked about the Fourth Amendment when Mar-a-Lago got raided, if you read the Fourth Amendment, it's very short. In fact, all the first 10 amendments are very, very short, and they're very precise in what they, they spell out. And I think that's the genius of that got put into that. So if you want to go against the Constitution, that's fine, but do it the proper way. Bring up a, a bill that amends the Constitution and have that fight in Congress like you're supposed to, and then change the direction of the nation. And, um, you know, we've seen that time and time again, you know, with slavery, uh, abolishing slavery, um, the, the Women's Suffrage Act, you know, to bring voting, um, extend voting rights to women. We have amended the Constitution over and over again, and we need to continue to do that. These people that are working to subvert the Constitution, they need to be thrown out of office, and Pelosi is probably one of the worst ones. Amazing, amazing how much uh, that woman is willing to act as if everything is normal that she does. Oh, uh, I tell you. It, it is. It, it is really amazing. And then, of course, she spawns uh, others to imitate her, uh, Cortez and, and the so-called uh, the Muslim ladies and all those people. It's, it's really quite a group. Uh, and you have to keep your eye on them. And they, they have their very narrow. The only thing that checkmate them, as you say, are, 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 the, are, the, are the rules. And, you know, I was a chair umpire, for example, in tennis. I don't know if you knew this, Ted, but um, I did the Florida matches. I was an NCAA. No, no. Yeah, I was there in front of all the people in Scott Linder Stadium. Uh, you know, and when you're number one chair, uh, everybody's watching the two best college players play. And what I learned about this, and this is a, kind of a metaphor for what we're talking about. I was there to make sure that those two players had a fair, had fair competition. And the way I did that was by enforcing the rules. And if they tried to bend them, they couldn't get me to bend, you know? And, and because of that, I the best chair umpire is the one you don't know is in the chair. Because the players respect that guy so much, they're not going to try anything on him. Right. You know, because they know they're not going to get anywhere with him. And because and, they know, there you are, son. You are, you are, you want to, but I got the book here. I know the book, and I'm going to use the book. So when you get through, and of course, in tennis, we have the clock. They can, right. they can talk up to a point, and then I can code them. And so I just let them talk. I never engaged them. Because if I engaged them, then I was on their level. So, <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's it's funny you bring that up because you're the final word. But look at what they've done in the NFL and a lot of the other professional sports. They go to the replay. And yeah. they go through that. And so that's like our court system. 
the court was set up, the judiciary branch was set up to be the weakest branch of government for a reason. But now they start doing replays and they start doing all this. So it really changes the basic of the game. And we've seen that in professional sports. And if, if you were the headline coach there in tennis, you were groomed to run for office because I know you got booed at a lot. <laughs> well, let me tell you a funny story about going through a process and changing rules before we take a break. And we come back, uh, we'll see. We'll probably open up the phone lines and see what we get. But this is funny, Ted. In, in college tennis, uh, men and women, anyone can call a let. So if you and I are playing, and I, uh, let's say our producing guy is sitting in the chair, and you, I ace you, you can call a let. In other words, you can say it hit the net. Therefore, you need to serve again. And I can't challenge it in the chair. Or the chair call a let, and you can't challenge the chair. So any of the three parties. But what started happening, this was funny in a way. The universe, I'm going to leave the college out that actually coached their kids to call a let. I'm not going to name the college, but it was a big-time college. They taught their players that if they got aced, to call a let. Is that right? Yes, and the chair couldn't question it because of the rules. So we knew darn good and well there wasn't a let. The chair knew there wasn't. The guy who served knew there wasn't. But the guy who got aced claimed there was. So, so what we did, we changed the rules. And now in men's college tennis, you play the let. So let's say I serve it to you. It ticks in that oh, okay. and it just dribbles over. You can't possibly get it, okay? You're still aced. Now, the interesting thing about this, Ted, the women didn't do it to each other. It was the men, the aggressive, yes, the aggressive, the testosterone males, you know. Right. Boy, they would do anything. The women, they were a little milder, you know. They, so we didn't have to change the rules for them. But we had to change the rules for the men. And so in college tennis, you can play, you have to play the left. And but it was a process, Ted. You know, I didn't do it from the chair. You know, the player didn't do it. The college didn't do it. And what happened is the whole SEC and all the coaches got together and said, you know, we, as NCAA, we need to change this rule. We can't. You know, it should be. I mean, you all come together to do that. And I love the way it turned out. You know, let sir play it. <laughs> yeah, you got to play it. You guys did it to yourself, huh? That's right. Okay. We'll yeah. Taking, yeah, we've been talking to Representative Ted Yoho here. So, uh, uh uh, we'll uh, uh, be right back in a moment after a break for the, thank our sponsors and our donors. And I'll report on the weather a little bit, and we'll probably have the phone line open if you want to talk to us. So we'll be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. I'm bringing a little bit of the weather here thanks to Lewis Oil, our great sponsor here. And um, we're actually starting to get a little bit cooler, maybe up to 89 degrees here today where we are. A precipitation high, pretty high percentage chance for precipitation. Of course, once again, depending upon where you are, the strangest thing happened here at the farm yesterday. It wasn't raining anywhere down the road, but right over the top of us, we were getting all the boomers and the heavy rain. And we, of course, loved it. and um, the uh, the whole thing seemed to sit right on top of the farms right around us. So that was a really a blessing, but it didn't much hit the city. So from what I understand, but that's the way it works right now. We really don't have any big disturbances out in the in the Gulf to speak of. We're watching one coming across the Atlantic. Um, we got backup generators here because a few years ago we didn't have them. We went without power. And of course, we don't have power to give the cattle water they will find water they'll bust out you got to have water for them they just like us so we run on generators backup generators here to fuel our water tanks and uh, with water the sun rising of course is uh, uh we're getting a little shorter daytime a little shorter uh, night coming a little bit earlier uh we've still got some problems out west and um uh, we probably will get some heavy rain in some spots on the northeast but um, gear up, really. Get yourself ready now for the hurricane season. Uh, you know, fill your tanks, whatever you need to do. Think about, think way ahead. Uh, because we don't, we don't really know here in north central Florida. We're a little bit out of it usually, but not always. And, of course, power lines can keep you from having your standard of living uh, as you're accustomed to. It can be interrupted. So uh, take the advice, plan ahead, keep your eye out for the approaching hurricane season here for Florida. We're talking with Ted Yoho now, and uh, we are uh, got the phone lines open. And if you want to call in, of course, we'll clear it with our production guys, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, whatever you want to talk about. One of the questions we've got here, Ted, we were talking at the break about what we want to talk about next, is, of course, health care uh, policy and uh, what has happened to that. It's confusing to people. Where are we with health care um, what's finally happened. We, we alluded to Obamacare a minute ago. Of course, we know the inflation reduction bill we can talk about as being probably exactly the opposite from what it's called. If Bernie Sanders says that it's not going to reduce inflation, you know it's not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? My golly. Uh, so what is the trick that they're pulling? I suppose here's somebody wants to see if we can comment on that. If How can they get away <laughs> Well, it's that old story. If you want to tell a lie, tell a big one, right? So if you're Joseph going, Goebbels was real good with that with Hitler. Yeah, uh, if you want to tell the lie. You know, they do. They, they tell you these things, and they, they, they make these names sound really good, the Inflation Reduction Act. But it does anything but that. I mean, if Bernie Sanders, the standard bearer of socialism, says it will not reduce inflation, but yet the people that are in these districts where these representatives represent, keep voting them in, shame on them. You know, you don't get the government you want. You get the one you deserve. And if those people put those people in office, they deserve the outcome of that. And uh, if you want the IRS looking at any transaction in your checkbook for over $600, keep voting that way. Well, that is an ominous thing. Uh, Lois Lerner still gets a check, I think, doesn't she? And she puts She sure does. Um, yeah. And again, we talk about transparency and accountability in Congress, but it never happens. And uh, we had a discussion one night. I might have shared this with you. And it was we wanted uh, John Koskinen uh, or Bob Koskinen thrown in, in jail or arrested. And they said we could not arrest anybody. 
because Congress doesn't have arresting authority. And I, I argued, but if they came on congressional grounds, the Capitol grounds, we could have Capitol Police arrest them. And Trey Gowdy said, Doc, that's true. He goes, but how long do you think he'd be in jail? I said, Trey, I don't care if he's in there for 30 seconds to a minute. You have sent a signal that we're not putting up with this garbage anymore. And of course, it never happened. But that's the kind of stuff that needs to happen. And that goes to these hearings. If you're going to have another hearing, follow through with it. Don't do another hearing, waste my time, the American taxpayer's time and money, and then come out with a report that never gets acted on. If you're going to do the hearing, carry it through to where that person pays the price for that. Got the questions come in here, and I, uh, I put it in my, uh, what I call my midnight auto yard, Ted. I, I get these things, and I don't know if you know about auto yards, but I used to go to them, and I'd need to say a, a bumper for a Henry a, a Henry J. You know, you remember that car? Henry J. And, and that old boy would say, yeah, I think I got that. It's back there in the 25th row, and you'd go back there, and that'd be an old fallen-down drunk Henry J., and he'd sell you the bumper. So I kind of do that with interesting things that come in. And some of them have been back in the auto yard and some haven't. Here's the interesting. I thought I'd run this by you. It's an article by Sam Faddis, and it's published in something called And Magazine, which I'm not real familiar with. But it was sent to me by one of the members of the research team there in the public. And it has to do with what has been done to Scott Perry, uh, cell phone and that kind of business, uh, I guess, taken um, yeah. What can you? And I got some other things. But let's start with that. What was that about? Dick? You know, the FBI said that they wanted his phone. Um, and I know Scott. Scott and I came in together. We still talk. And they took his phone for this investigation uh, because text messages between him, um, uh, Mark Meadows, the president, and um, they took it. Which I find very hard that they could go up to Scott Perry and take it because he's pretty hardcore as far as leave me alone, get out of my face, and he'll tell you that. And they must have had some reason for Scott to turn over his phone. Um, and I have not spoken to him about that because I knew he was right in the middle of that when I heard that. But again, from the outside, or somebody that's been there looking from the outside in now, there's no way in hell that they should have been able to take his phone. And again, I have to find out why Scott gave him the phone. He got it back. Um, but my wife and I talked about this, and she said, I'd throw that phone away because you don't know what they put into that phone and, um, you know, or embedded something in all of its contacts. Wow. Again, this goes against the Fourth Amendment. I mean, illegal search and seizure without probable cause. You know, take me to court and get my phone and make this public, but just don't come up to me and say, I want your phone. Well, he's, I'm going to read some more things from this article by Fattis. It says that Perry has said, uh, we need to quit the viewpoint that communist China is a strategic competitor. Yeah. Uh, China and the Chinese government party see the United States as their enemy, and they treat us as such, and we start need to start acting like there's an enemy out there. And he says that the United States should classify the Chinese Communist Party as a transnational criminal organization. Um, wow, maybe the FBI didn't like that. I don't know. What do you say about that? Uh, I, I think he's that. Right. I mean, that was the rhetoric we had the whole time we were up there. They're not our friend. They're not. Their goal is to overtake the world. And people ask me all the time, how do we deal with China? Well, the only way to deal with China is to understand what China is trying to do. They're, they're attempting to be, they're not attempting, they're doing. They are going to be the world hegemon, meaning they're going to be in control of the world, uh, not just economically, which they're knocking on our doors right now but militarily and socially. And all you have to do is look what they've done in South America, Venezuela. Uh, they're doing it in Central America, putting in their uh, good citizen score uh, programs through their CCT cameras. This is one of the big reasons in Cuba when they had that uprising, everything was on the internet. China came in, helped them shut it down, put in CCT cameras so that they can monitor all of their citizens through facial recognition and they give them a score, your score determines your lot in life. It's kind of like a caste system. And, um, you know, so China is doing that, and Scott Perry is absolutely right. I mean, they are a bad player that we should divest. Our manufacturers need to get out of there and start manufacturing anywhere but China, and I've written several papers on that. It's called Manufacturer of the ABC Method, anywhere but China. Well, if you ever want those papers posted on Wardtop Bulletin Board, we'll put them there, Ted. Just let me know. We'll put them up there. Um, 
I'm reading here, and I, Harry is a retired Army general. Brigadier so he's, general. He's no pushover then, right? He's, uh, and according to this, he's been pushing this criminal organization uh, classification for quite a while. He's introduced a bill in Congress that would mandate such an action. I suppose that didn't get anywhere. Is that right. true? Yeah. Um, Not this Congress, it won't be. Yeah, was- yeah. And uh, the, the, uh, he, he's going on to saying it with the CP. Communist Party is engaging in espionage against the states on an industrial scale. Um, it also, obviously, Hunter Biden is up to his ears in this somehow, yeah. somewhere, right? Um, making money off the enemy? Come on. You talk well, about- if you connect the dots right there, you know, the, the relationship Hunter Biden and the Biden family had with Xi Jinping in China, and then you get a, a, a very vocal member of Congress like Scott going after him. Uh, you can see why the FBI would go after Scott, plus the stuff that happened with January 6th. You know, when I became the chairman of the Asia Pacific Subcommittee, one of my first uh, meetings I was going to take was with the, the country of Taiwan. I will say the country because it irritates the CCP. And my staff called me up. I was in, um, in Florida and they're up in D.C. And they said, uh, sir, we've got a message from the Chinese embassy that um, doesn't want you to take that meeting with China. I said, well, how in the heck do they know I'm, ha- I mean, with Taiwan? I said, how in the heck do they know I have a meeting with Taiwan? They said, I don't know, but they, they're very upset that you're having a meeting. I said, you tell China not to worry about what meetings, and I'll take what meetings I want to and tell them to have a nice day. And we wound up, my wife got like 1,500 spam emails of Asian characters. My son got them, and we get them, and I still get them today. I mean, they are out there. They are listening, and they're watching, and they they're doing subversion to intimidate people, and um, they're trying to do that with Scott. But I know Scott; he's a fighter. He's the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and uh, really, he'll tell, really? He'll, he'll tell him where to go. <laughs> well, this article says that the hackers, uh, the CCP, directs Chinese hackers to steal some of the most sensitive military technology and oh, also the personal data of hundreds of millions of Americans. Um, the estimate here is that the CCP intellectual property theft costs the United States about six hundred billion a year. Oh, a, a minimum, not just the United States, but countries around the world this happens to. When I first got into Congress, we had a meeting with General Alexander, which was, he was the head of the NSA, which we weren't supposed to know about the NSA, but he goes, I'm a head of the agency that nobody's supposed to know about, but everybody does now. And he told us then, and this was in uh, 2013, 2014, he says, if you are on the internet, if you are on the internet, personally, or in Congress, or anywhere in business, understand that China is in your emails. Really? Yeah. He says they are everywhere. And we've seen that. Um, it's, it's amazing how they in, infiltrate. They still trade secrets. And that $600 billion, that's probably a low estimate in today's market. There's six to $800 billion in intellectual property theft. Well, this is the advocate by Perry is that the attorney general should charge the CCP and its agents uh, with crimes under the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization RICO Act. Uh, that'll never happen. Um, It'll never happen. It's great messaging and it's a great point. And if Scott, if he gets, if the Republicans take over and he gets in a position of power, he can lead some of that stuff. And uh, I'll, I'll give him any support we can, you know, in the public arena. Um, but China is not playing a game. They are playing to win, and we're playing politics. And uh, the Biden administration, I think, is one of it, – it's got to be one of – it is the worst administration I've ever experienced in my lifetime as far as standing up to what America is. And you brought up the Constitution. It's all about constitutional law. And if you don't like it, amend it like they have in the past, but don't subvert it and work around it. You know, if we ever want to have a Zoom meeting with any of these fellows who you know, we can have more than one uh, person on these meetings. Uh, uh, Ted, just to let you keep that in your, in your mind. You know what? I'll put out a feelers, and we'll get some people on here. Scott would be a good one to get in. I know he's in a tough election now. He's in a, a real narrow district as far as, uh, I think it's an R1 or 2, and it might even be a D1 or 2. Uh, Where is that district? He's up in Pennsylvania. I don't oh, know. man. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a strange place, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I mean, you know, clearly Ohio and Illinois lost their minds, but there appears to be a few people in Pennsylvania that haven't lost theirs yet, but they don't prevail. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> about Latcher County almost. Oh, well, that, of course. And particularly, well, the city of Gainesville, especially, you, you know, segueing over to our local elections, we've got some tremendously important ones coming up here, Ted. You sure uh, do. Over this with the school board. And as Soros has made no secret of the fact that he is working on embedding critical race theory in every part of the American way of life. And he's financing it. I guess Keep you know that. <laughs> that's part of the Democratic agenda. I mean, what, we never saw this stuff prior to Obama coming in. You know, look at what they brought. Uh, BLM, uh, critical race theory, wokeism. Uh, ESG scores. I mean, we talked about that in the past, the ESG. Where, I mean, where did that come from? And it's like, that is a democratic wokeism changing America fundamentally agenda. And they're doing it. And the only way you're going to stop that is by getting enough conservatives in there that, that will fight back and not just give you the rhetoric about fighting back how hard they're working for you and uh, send me money because I'm working fighting hard for you. I, you know, that stuff never impressed me. It's what you do and um, the, the controversy that you cause in the right sense of trying to right the direction of the country. Well, it's so interesting about this direction of the country. I was in a, uh, getting an annual checkup there in a doctor's office. You know, eye checkup, what we do. And, and an eye checkup, as you probably know, you spend some time because they dilate you and you move from room to room and you sit down and you get to talk to people. And... Uh, there was a couple sitting next to me, and um, I don't know how it came up, but it didn't take much to stir the conversation. Older couple and came up about their culture today, you know, and this lady said, oh, golly, she says, uh, and began to shake her head in despair. And the gentleman sitting next to her was very quiet, kind of a big fellow. Turns out he is a retired New York City cop. And uh, when he opened his mouth, you could tell in a, in a second with that accent. But they were so fed up with Biden. They're so fed up with New York. They're so fed up with New York City. And so I asked them, they have, she had a 25-year-old daughter. And I said, do the young people get it? And she says, yes, they're starting to get it. And I, I think there's something to that, Ted, because I've been talking sort of with 25, 26, 27-year-old people. And the thing that's starting to get them, I want your comments on this if you would, they can't buy a house. They can't start a home. It's out of the question financially for them, you know, and without a home, they can't have a family and without a family, they can't have, you know what I'm saying? It all dominoes from there. It all starts with private property and the, 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 the right to get started. But with inflation and inflation and reduction, hocus pocus and all that, they're starting to see through that. I, I, I hope it's sincere and can be used by them pointed in the right direction. But. Somebody's going to round them up. Right. And I think some, a lot of these kids are waking up to that. You know, I look at my own family, uh, two of them own, all three of them own a house. Um, and they're fortunate in that sense because we know that home ownership is one of the biggest things of creating wealth as you mature in life and get older. And it's so critical to have that. But you can't have that if the system is such that it prevents you from having that. You know, you and I talked about this, you know, back when we were growing up, you know, the, the husband's usually one is the one that had the job and the wife stayed home. My mom had six sons, my mom and dad, and she did. She was a stay at home mom. Um, and you can't do that today unless you're, you know, bringing in uh, medium to high six figure income um, for the most part. And those jobs aren't out there. Um, the whole society has changed. And I think a big part of this is the government interference, not just in rules and regulations and stuff in the banking industry, but the handouts that they give people. I mean, there's an article today in the Wall Street Journal about uh, the, another round of uh, 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 checks are going out to people. And in California, I think it was like over $2,000 per person. It's just it, it was ludicrous that they're still paying people. Um, and it's. The Democrats, and again, this is one of their agenda items, is to create a living wage for everybody. And so if you get relying on the government, the government tells you what you can and can't do. And I think these young people are waking up to that. Got a question has come in here. Of sound of, it harkens back to NAFTA. Yeah. What do you make of that, how that's affected our lives? Oh, NAFTA was terrible. You know, there was a, a 25 or 30-year um, 
report done on NAFTA. And it said it didn't accomplish one of its major goals, and that was redistribution of wealth from wealthy nations to poor nations. Uh, we saw, uh, as Ross Perot said, you pass NAFTA, that sucking sound you hear is going to be jobs going to Mexico. Look at how many plants are in Mexico now, GM, Whirlpool, GE, uh, Ford, all these major manufacturers that left America and left the jobs and took the, or took the jobs and took them to Mexico. And so we lost that manufacturing base, and that translates into lower wages for those people that got displaced. And uh, NAFTA was a bad deal. The USMCA that got re, um, uh, re-signed in, uh, renegotiated, was a worse deal, uh, especially for Florida agriculture. But NAFTA was put in under Clinton, and this one was put in under uh, um, President uh, Trump. And it was interesting because I was the only re- Republican member from Florida, only member from Florida that voted against it. And it was mainly due what it did to our Florida agriculture. I mean, it's going to decimate the Florida agriculture. Talk to, our, talk to your local blueberry farmers about that or your tomato farmers. Anybody that produces produce, talk to them about uh, the USMCA. Well, when NAFTA uh, is being discussed, I'll never forget I had a research class back then at college and I had a young lady who presented a, a strong argument against NAFTA. And she was this daughter of Plant City Farmers. Yeah. And she went to Ted, she went through what it was going to do to them. I mean, in terms of vegetable crops and what is all around the solid economy around Plant City, Florida. And it's, I'll be darned if it hadn't come true. And this is just a young person doing, using the research techniques we taught. Um, um, it was, um, you know, it was to, to what was, to what extent did NAFTA, got a comment coming in on this question, um, all about the globalization. What's that yep. term that's used, Ted? Uh, I, One you know, world how, order. The world order. No, how, it, One I, world order. Yeah. There, there's an interesting book. It's through the CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, which is a part of that along with uh, the uh, League of Nations and, you know, all that stuff works in together. And it divided the world up into three regions, the Americas, the European, and then the Asian. The Americans were going to be service-oriented, you know, computers, insurance, things like that. Europe was going to be the financial area, and Asia was going to be the manufacturing hub. And look at it where we are today. And this was back, I mean, this has been building since the 40s. And uh, we see that happening. NAFTA, the case in point with that student you said wrote that paper, Florida produced 65% of the tomatoes in our nation prior to NAFTA. We had over 300 tomato farmers in Florida. 20-some years later, we have 30 major tomato farmers in Florida. And we went down to 30% of the tomato crop that we produce here in Florida because of NAFTA. So when those farms leave and they go out of production, they're never coming back. No, they will come back. It's more indebted to fewer farmers. It's going to raise the prices up. But that trend is going to continue where those people go out of farming. And you and I talked about somebody we both know who um, are yeah. thinking about getting out of farming because it's you can't make a living at it. And if they can't make a living at it, their kids are saying, I don't want to do what mom and dad did. Um, work my tail off and, and, and have to sell the farm. And we have to change these policies that promote the things you want, not promote the things that are detrimental to a nation. We're talking with Representative Ted Yoho, and already, Ted, we're getting some comments. An hour isn't enough with Ted. Well, tune in next Wednesday, and we'll have another hour with Ted. Talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the wife may not see, feel the same way. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> She's been known to say a little bit of me goes a long way. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it's a robust conversation. If you all are just checking in on us on Wednesday, we certainly enjoy bringing uh, opinion and point of view to you that um, we hope you trust and that you uh, use to consider your own opinions. Uh, I really don't have any ulterior motive. Uh, Ted, you and I know we're not making any money off this thing. So, you know, we're really doing it as a call to service, I, I think. That's our hard to yeah, it's the community stronger. Yeah, well, we need to get stronger. We need all the support we can get. So we'll uh, we'll check with you soon, and uh, we'll see you soon, Ted. Of course, and thanks everybody for watching. We'll be back tomorrow on the Files. Have a great day, Warthog Command Center out.